So we've been looking at this. We had a big gap this summer because I, some others were ministering. And so we're going to look at I'm going to skip down the, the, the basic scriptures that we've used. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, they don't have to put it up there, but it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Walking refers to how you conduct your life, how you walk through your life. And as Christians, you know, you, you do natural things. You drive your car, you eat your food, you, you know, pay your bills by sight. But when it comes to the things of God, we must learn to do them by faith and not by sight. Well, what does that mean to do it by faith and not by sight? And we looked in first in Second Corinthians uh, uh, 4.18. Go there because I'm uh, Yeah, I don't think I gave that to you. 4.17. I did give that one to you. Okay. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us an exceeding weight of glory. And the verse 18 goes on to say, For we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. And walking by faith it means that you're looking not. Looking means you're paying attention to. You're relying on it. And this is what we're going to attempt to make very clear tonight. Things that are not seen. The, the Word of God, the promises of God, you can't physically detect them with your senses. And so we must believe God's Word, not by the physical evidence that we have around us. And we've all been raised one way or another to to determine, to confirm whether something exists or not by whether one or more of our five senses detects it. And you've all proven that perfectly tonight because you've you've proven to me that you were confident that that blue chair would hold you because you sat down in it without testing it out. I didn't see any of you stand on it, jump on it, pressing. You just turned around and put your blessed assurance with full weight and trust on that chair. Why? Because you... Pro- you know, I know you sat in that same chair before. and cause so, you, so you have confidence because your senses confirm that it's real. But what do we do when we're dealing with a kingdom, with a realm of existence that is not susceptible to our five senses? And God lives in a realm of existence, the spirit realm, that is not, that is not verified by one or more of our five senses. This room is full of angels right now, but I don't know that because I can see them unless God does something supernaturally. But that doesn't mean they're not there. But we're so trained to only believe in things we can see. With, there are some exceptions to that. And so, so walking by faith means learning to discipline myself when it comes to the things of God, the promises of God, to not determine whether they're real or not by what my senses are telling me. And that's much easier to say than it is to do. And we went through a number of these principles back in July and actually started earlier than that. And then in, later in July, we began to look at some examples, and I called them the, the heroes of faith. And we looked at Abraham. He was called the father of our faith. And we looked at how he grew in faith. God made an astounding promise to him that he would be the father of many, many nations. And he wasn't, they weren't even able to have a child. And now they're, 70, they're 75 and 65. They're past childbearing age. She's always been barren. And God's promised them something that in the natural is impossible. But Abraham grew to believe God, not at first, but we watched how he grew to believe God and trust more in what God said than what his common sense told him and what his body experienced, especially when he looked at her. And so we looked at Abraham. Then we looked at this great example of David and Goliath. Here you've got the soldiers of Israel trained for military battle under King Saul's reign as their commander. But they were trained to fight things with natural weapons, with spears and with swords, and would defend themselves with shields and to use military tactics. 
And, and they're, they're, in, they're in battle array against the Philistines, and the Philistines have a secret weapon, although he wasn't all that secret. It was Goliath. He was somewhere between 9 and 12 feet tall. He was armed to the hilt, and he would come out twice a day and threaten them. And they listened to his threats, and they believed his threats, and they measured what he could do by what he said. And that often sounds like the voice of the devil just trying to talk to us. But then we saw young David, the shepherd boy, shows up. And David looks at the exact same situation, hears the exact same words, evaluates the exact same thing, but David doesn't look at that and interpret it through his natural understanding. David interprets what's going on through the covenant of God that he's learned, through God's promised covenant. And so David's reaction to this giant who scared all of the trained soldiers of Israel, including his older brothers, and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, I don't care how big he is, this guy has no covenant with God, and he's, he's defying the army that belongs to God, whereas Saul and the soldiers said he was defying the army that belongs to Saul. So David didn't see it in natural terms. David saw what was going on and decided what could be done, not in terms of his own understanding, but in terms of what God had said, the covenant God had made with him. And then we looked last week at a bad example. We looked at King Saul. And we saw that King Saul was, when he first became king, had everything going for him. He was anointed by Samuel. The Bible says that then the Spirit of God came on him and turned him into a different man. And it says that, that he began to prophesy. The gifts of the Spirit began to operate through him. And Samuel gave him a simple instructions. You go down to Gilgal and you wait seven days. Don't start fighting anything until I, until I come and I will offer the sacrifice, the peace offering and the sacrifices that need to be offered before you go into battle. And so they come down to the battlefield and the soldiers, the Philistines show up in almost innumerable, I think it was 30,000 foot soldiers and chariots and things, I've forgotten the numbers right now. It was overwhelming and Saul's trained soldiers begin to panic and go hide out in the rocks and the caves and now the seventh day has come and Samuel's nowhere in sight and now even the men that still were with him are beginning to flee. So Saul's got a choice to make. Either he, he, you find out under the pressure what you've been trusting in. And we're going to see an example of that tonight. And we found out under pressure, Saul was not walking by faith in what God said. He was more removed by and relying on the men that he had. And when they were fleeing like rats from a sinking ship, Saul took things into his own hands and did what he knew he was not authorized to do. He performed the sacrifice. And of course, Samuel shows up. He says, what have you done? And we looked at the end. He says, you have disobeyed a commandment of God. So Saul was relying not on God's commandment, not on God's promises, but on what he could understand. So we looked at a bad example. Well, tonight we're going to look at another example. And you can tell by this one, this is the best. We're going to look at the best hero. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 26. You'll probably guess who it is. We're looking at heroes of faith. But there's an amazing contrast here. Now, the reason I'm going through these examples, the reason I'm taking the time to go through these examples, because many times we're taught principles, and I already taught you uh, earlier this year principles of faith, and you'll hear them again and again and again because we need to go back over them. But it's the application of them where we fail. Many of you have been around for years, and you know these principles as well as I do, but the question is, how well are you living them out? How successful are you being? 
And so how do we apply these things in our real life? And that's where these stories are helpful because they're not just principles. We're looking at examples of men and women that have actually applied them and then last week in the case of Saul who failed to apply them. And so we're going to look at a contrast here. We're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 26. Now the background here is Jesus is about to be crucified. He's just finished his last, the Last Supper with his disciples. These men, as I've, you've heard me over and over again on Sunday morning, have said, these men have walked with him for three and a half years. They've walked with him. They've touched him. They've heard his voice. They've seen him do miraculous things. They've seen him do things through them. And they've watched all these things. And so they're full of confidence and boldness. And they're where we often think we are. They thought they were someplace they're going to find out they're not. And that often happens to us because we've sat in church, we read our Bible, we may meditate on the Word, and we think we're somewhere until all of a sudden a crisis hit. And I went through one of those last year and shared it with you, and I found out where I was. I wasn't surprised, but it really became very clear where I was. So we're going to pick up on this story, and Jesus has just finished uh, telling them that His betrayer... um, Matthew 26, is that what I told you? Yep, okay. And so they're finished, they're finished with the Last Supper. He's, he's fed them communion. And we're going to pick up in verse 30. We're going to go, go through some of this quickly. Verse 30, And when they'd sung a hymn, that was the Hillel, Psalm 118, they went out of, to the Mount of Olives. So they're leaving the upper room. They're going out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, All of you, all of you, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. That doesn't sound like a good confession, but we're going to tell you why he knows that. For it is written, I want to focus on, it is written, so this is the Word of God, it is written that I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So Jesus has just told them that because of what's about to happen, they're going to panic and flee, and then he tells them the reason I know that is it's been prophesied. So you've got Jesus telling them, you've got the Word of God telling them, and let's look at what Peter does. Peter says, But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go to Galilee. But Peter answered and said to him, this is where Peter is, Even though all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Don't ever tell God what you'll never be made to do. (laughs) Hear Peter, Lord, I I know the Word says we're all going to stumble. I know you've said we're all a stumble, but that couldn't possibly include me because I know me. But see, what Peter knew about himself was his zeal. Zeal is not faith. Zeal's enthusiasm. Enthusiasm's not faith. Zeal, enthusiasm got him out on the water. And because he wasn't out there very far on faith, when, the storm, when he saw the storm, he sank. All right, we've got to move on. Okay. Then Jesus came with them to... Oh, Peter said to them, yeah, okay. But look at this. Peter said, even, if, even though if I have to die, I will not deny you. We pick on Peter, but look. And so said all the other disciples. Peter just led the crowd. I, Jesus has said, you're all going to be scattered because of what's going to happen to me. And I know it because the words prophesied this. Peter's bold says, not me. Not me, I know I'm not, I'm not one of them. And now the others are emboldened by Peter. Not us either, none of us. Now we better not point fingers because some of us have been there too. 
Jesus came, notice he didn't answer them there. Jesus came to the garden to the place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's, that's uh, James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Now let's get the scene here in terms of what we're talking about. They're about to go through the biggest crisis of their life, and so is Jesus. It's just that He knows what's coming. And, and He's tried to prepare them for that by telling them, look, you, you, you don't have what it takes to stand through this, and I already know that. Now they're getting out in the scene where this is going to happen, and look what Jesus does. This is this battle that we go through. This is what we're talking about. We're about walking by faith and not by sight. And it'd be wonderful if, if all, the, all the things that happen to us happen to us just in our mind. But there's some things that happen to us physically, whether it's sickness or disease. Some things happen to us emotionally. And, but they come at us to try to knock us off, to try to get us to stumble. And, 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 and so look, Jesus is now about the face something none of us will ever have to face. He's about to face being arrested, being falsely accused, being beaten. We're going to look at a little bit of it. Scourged, which killed most men. And then crucified. And then while he's on the cross, the sin of the world is going to be put on him. He's going to die, be dragged into hell until the price is paid. He's got that facing him and he knows it. Notice what he does. He doesn't hang out with the guys. He separates from them and he begins to pray. Now in Luke's version of this, I think it is, Jesus says to the disciples, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. And what did they do? They fell all right, but they fell asleep. So, what, here, and here's the issue, because we live, you know, we are a spirit being. When you're born again, your spirit being, is, being has been renewed. You are a child of God on the inside. But you live in a body that's still out of this material realm. And you have a soul that's in the process of being renewed so that you can begin to, your soul can begin to walk in line with what happened to you in your spirit. But your spirit means of that other realm. Your body's of this realm. And so the battle is learning to listen and walk more with what's on the inside of you than what's being the noise that's going on around you or in your senses or in your body. Everybody with me in this? Follow me along? So now here you have Peter doesn't think he needs to prepare for this. And neither did the other other ten because Judas is gone by this time. Peter doesn't think he needs to get ready. Why? Because he's confident in himself and his own determination. Jesus <laughs> knows he needs to get ready. So how does he get ready? He gets ready by going into prayer. Why? Because in prayer, you're in touch with the Spirit on the inside of you, and you're communing with the living Spirit of God. 
And as you get in the Spirit, the things of the flesh, the things of this world begin to fade away. And the more you pray, the more time you spend in prayer, the more sensitive you are to spiritual things and the less the things of this world move you. When I pray over people and, 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 get in this, and I begin to, to get into the Spirit, I don't know what I've said. I don't even know who I prayed over because I'm not conscious of this out here. I'm more conscious of what's in here. But we need to learn to walk more conscious of who's in here and what's going on in here than being moved by what's on the outside. And here's Jesus facing this crisis. And look what he does. In Matthew's account, he's got to do it three times. Okay. So look at verse 38. It says, my soul, my soul. He's struggling with this. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. You say, well, he's the Son of God. How could he do that? He, one of my favorite scriptures is in, in uh, uh, Hebrews 4.15 says, We have a high priest who can be, who's touched with the feeling of our infirmities because he was tempted in all ways as we are, yet he didn't give in. He didn't sin. He knows what it's like to struggle with temptation. He knows what it's like to be weary. He knows what it's like to be sorrowful, and yet we're going to see him overcome it. Okay. So he's telling them, I'm, I'm dealing with an issue in my soul. But he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. Notice who he talked to. He didn't talk to his neighbors. He didn't try to have the disciples console him. He didn't get on the prayer line. He went and talked to his father. Oh, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Now, he's not praying if it be thy will, which we, a lot of people tug on the, tack on the end of their prayer and say, well, Jesus did that. No, he didn't say that. He's asking, Father, is there some other way? Is there some other way that I don't have to go through this? Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. So what Jesus is doing is called a prayer of consecration. Jesus is facing the reality of this. It's right here now. He is reconsecrating himself to the Father. He's putting his will into his Father's hands. He's giving up his will so that the Father's will... He's strengthening his resolve in the Spirit. And now he comes back to his disciples and found them sleeping. And says to Peter, what, can't you watch with me an hour? Watch and pray, oh here it is, lest you enter in temptation. The Spirit's willing, that's not the problem. But the flesh is weak. So you've got to strengthen the Spirit to overcome the flesh. So again a second time you went away and prayed, verse 42. Oh my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, then unless I drink of it, your will be done. And he came again and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went again and prayed a third time, saying the same words. So three times he's got to go back to do this. Okay. And he came to the disciples and said to them, You're still sleeping and resting. The hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going here. My betrayer is at hand. Now let's go down. He gets arrested. Uh, they come after him. Judas comes to him. Uh, let's go to verse 50. Judas has kissed him. And they come. And he, Jesus said in verse 50, Friend, why have you come? And they came and laid their hands and took him. 
Suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hands and drew a sword. Well, we know from others it's Peter. Here's Peter, bold Peter. They're not going to take you, Lord. So he's going to defend the Lord. Aren't you glad Peter didn't succeed? What if Peter succeeded? We're all going to hell. Because Jesus needed to die. He needed to go through this. He needed to be crucified. He needed to be buried. He needed to be pay the price for our sin. And then he needed to be raised from the dead. Or we're dead in our sins. But Peter's trying to understand this. Peter's looking in natural terms. Often when God's doing things for us, it doesn't make sense. The logical thing will look, well, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And yet God's telling you, tithing doesn't make sense. I don't want to get off on this, but I remember after I got saved, I'd never heard of tithing. If I'd have heard of it, I might not have given saved. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <clears throat> and I heard a tithe. says, what's that? And they told me what it was, and I had to pull my jaw up off the floor. It didn't make any sense to me. But I'd make a choice whether I was going to obey what God's Word said and trust God, or go with what made sense. And am I glad, 38 years later, I decided to go with what God said, and not with what made sense. Because that's, God's gotten me out of all kinds of situations I got myself into, because I was faithful to do what He said. Alright, we don't want to dwell there. Okay, so look what happens here. Okay. So Peter, we know it's Peter from another version, he cuts on, so he's taking things into his own hands. He's trying to deal in the natural and protect Jesus, which is the opposite of what God's will is. Jesus said to him, look at this, put your sword in it. So Peter's panicking, he's reacting. See, this is what our flesh does. Our flesh sees an emergency and our flesh reacts to it. We've got to do something. And, and usually when you're reacting in a crisis, you'll do the wrong, your flesh will do the wrong thing. Because the devil knows how to push your flesh to get it to do what he wants it to do. One of the things I've learned, and I'm not perfect at it, but one of the things instilled in me as a lawyer, and it's, it's helped qualify me for this position, is I generally don't react to situations. I may have an emotional reaction in me, but I don't act or speak until I know what God wants me to do. I'm not perfect at that. I won't say I've never done it. But that is my goal, and that's what I try to do. But Peter reacts. <clears throat> so look what Jesus says. Put your sword in its place, for those who take the sword will perish by the sword. In other words, those who fight the battle with fleshly things will die by the flesh. Or don't you think, look at, look at what Jesus is saying. Jesus said, let's step back and look at the situation. He says, don't you think that I could pray now to my Father and He would provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Do you think this is happening because I've been overpowered? Do you think I'm not in control of the situation? didn't look like he was in control. He'd been betrayed by a staff member. He's being arrested. And what is about to happen to him? It looks like things... It looks like... It looks... It looks like things are getting out of control. But they're perfectly in control. They're perfectly in the will of God. And Jesus said, Don't you understand that if I decided now to get out of this, I could ask the Father, and He would send 12, 12, 12 legions of angels. But I'm not doing that. 
How then, look at verse 54, how then could the Scriptures be fulfilled? In other words, I'm here to finish the Word, to do what the Word says to do. I'm not moved by what it looks like. I'm not moved by what it's going to feel like. I'm here to fulfill the Word of God. But He was disciplined in His flesh to not be controlled by His flesh, but to be led by what the Word had said and by what His Spirit, the Spirit of God in Him was telling Him to do. Okay, we've got to move down. All right, let's go down to... Um, Let's go down to verse 66. So now he's been, he's been brought to the high priest. Uh, they, they couldn't find anybody to honestly testify him, so they've got to pay some guy to lie about him. And then the issue comes out. They ask, are you the Christ, the Son of the living God? And he said, uh, if you said that, and basically he says, I am. And wait till you see the Son of God coming in power in the clouds of heaven. Now they really get mad. The high priest tears his robe, which is, that's what they would do as a sign of disgust. And then they spat on him. They spat on his face. They slapped his face. And Jesus doesn't react. We have an interesting contrast later in the book of Acts, because Paul finds himself in the same kind of position. And they, 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 they accuse him. And Paul, they, the priest slaps him, and Paul reacts to him. And then he repents. Jesus didn't open his mouth. Imagine somebody coming up to you, falsely accusing you, spitting in your face. Oh, by the way, you created them. I forgot that little detail. They're high priests because you put them there. And they're falsely accusing you. They spit in your face slap you in the face, and you don't bat an eyelash. You've got to be disciplined to not do that. You've got to be in control of your flesh. You've got to be dominated by the Spirit inside of you. You've got to know you're in the middle of God's will. I have found myself sometimes doing things God's told me to do here, and I had to do some things nobody understood, some things I got real opposition from. But I knew because I, I can descri- all I can describe it, it's as if God was standing in front of me making a way and I was right up behind Him. Because I was doing what I knew God I'd spent time seeking Him. I spent time making sure my heart was right and pure, that I was not doing this for my own reasons or reacting to things, but I was doing it. And that's always my prayer. God, I just want to do Your will. And because I knew this is what it was, I felt so protected. No matter what anybody does or says, God's, God is my protection. God is my, it's a wonderful place of peace. And that's why he was such a peace. He was in the middle of God's will. He had tested his own heart and said, Father, is there a way to get out? No, I know there's not. So your will be done. Three times. And now he's ready. He's set. He's got his resolve in his, not in his flesh. Paul, Peter was resolved in his flesh. That doesn't last long, we'll see. Jesus was resolved in his spirit. Okay, now we're going to pick up the scene. They say, prophesy to us who, who struck you. We're going to pick up in verse... Uh, 66. What do you think, they said? He's deserving of death. They spat in his face. They beat him. Others struck him with the palms of their head. Prophesy to us, Christ. Who is the one that struck you? They're mocking him. Now we're going to switch the scene. This is Jesus, not moved. 69. Peter sat outside the courtyard. And a servant girl comes to him, saying, Oh, wait a minute. You are also with this Jesus of Nazareth. And Peter denied it before them all, saying, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Or it gets worse. 
And when he'd gone down to the gateway, another girl. I like that. They don't just say, a girl. Nothing personal, ladies. But this is not, a, this is not, a, 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 this is not one of the high priest guards. This is, just, this is just a servant girl who can't do anything. When another girl saw him and said to those who were with him, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied him this time with an oath, saying, I don't even know the man. So Peter's resolve is vanishing quickly. Because Peter's resolve, Peter's view of things was by the flesh. And now the flesh is changing. Peter was walking by sight, and that was great when they're sitting around the table with Jesus, and he's, he's saying to them, this is my covenant in the new, blood, new covenant in the blood. This is my body broken for you. When he's telling them about the kingdom of God to come, when he's telling them the Spirit of God's going to come, this is nice and warm and fuzzy, but now we're in the high priest's chambers. We're in the courtyard, and there now, this is all falling apart in front of them. And Peter's curious enough to hang out there and now he's trying to save his own flesh because everything he's seeing is threatening him. So we're talking about this tension between what our senses tell us and what God's Word tells us or walking by faith. This is why it's so critical to learn to walk by faith. And you don't do it in a day. You do it by practicing it, by exercising it in the real life situations that you're living in. And you'll succeed sometimes, you'll fail sometimes, but just don't quit. Verse 73, a little later, those who stood by came up to Peter and said, Wait a minute, surely you're one of them. We recognize your accent, your speech betrays you. Now, look at him, now he begins to curse and swear. It's amazing how far you can fall when you're in your flesh. Began to curse and swear saying, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Because Jesus has said, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And Peter remembered the word that Jesus said to them, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. He went out and wept bitterly. Jesus is our greatest, best example, best hero. He's our, not just because He went to the cross. He couldn't go to the cross if He hadn't learned to walk by faith. He couldn't have gone through the things He went through and perfectly done what, what He was commanded to do unless He learned to walk by faith. Israel, God's plan was for them to enter into the promised land and be a token, be, be, a, be, a, be an object of God's wonderful blessing and provision. But they, they couldn't enter in because they, never learned, they didn't learn to walk by faith and not by sight. They spent all their time looking at their food and what they didn't have instead of the food that God was providing for them. Because it says in, in Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 8, God says, I humbled you and I made you hungry. He didn't starve them. He says, because I gave you food that I provided for you because I wanted you to learn that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds, by faith in every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But they failed to learn the lesson. And if you read it carefully, it's very clear. God tried to teach them that lesson every day. Every day for, 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 for almost a year, God was training them and teaching them a lesson. But they didn't learn the lesson. 
So when it came time to go into their destiny, God couldn't take them in there because they would have panicked and run back and been destroyed. So out of mercy, God had to keep them from going in until the next generation, until that generation died off, and the next generation was raised up that didn't have all that sense in their sin, that didn't have the memory in their senses of the leeks and the onions and the food they had in Egypt. All they knew was manna. All they knew was manna. So learning to walk by faith and not by sight. I want to do something a little different. I want to, I want, I don't want, see, I'm a teacher. And the object of teaching isn't just to give you information. It's to deposit it in you and to see if you're getting it and to help you to get it. Because I'm learning this along with you. I'm in some things right now where some days I get up and the senses are overwhelming me and I got to remind myself of what I preach. <laughs> that I got to, John, today you got to walk by faith in this situation. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what your brain's telling you. Because the devil talks to me just the way, it's not working, it's not working, you might as well quit. Well, I recognize that voice. And I, I just want to learn to do this. So that means I can't ever quit. If I, if I die in this situation, I'm going to die believing God. Okay? I'm going to die believing... I'd rather enter heaven having tried to believe God and failed than having quit. So what I want to do now, and I'm not exactly sure what I want to do... <laughs> I want to come and talk to you a little bit, all right? Because, you know, I suspect there are some of you out there that are going through a battle. Or am I the only one? Are you guys just spectators here? Well, then I need you to pray for me. <laughs> okay? I got to find a way to do this. This is... I'm, I'm, this is <laughs> so what I want to do, I don't want to get into some testimony. I don't want to hear, you know, praise the Lord. I want, I want, I want to help you discern the elements we just talked about. Because a lot of times what happens is we get in this, we get in, we, in, in war, it's called the fog of war, where I'm, fortunately I've never been in war, but I understand the fog of war, where things get confusing because your senses are overwhelmed. Bombs are going off and noises all around the place, and they can get confused as to who the real enemy is, and you can start shooting your own enemy, your own soldiers. And so that can happen spiritually because we get in the middle of something, we're in a battle, we're going through something, and we're dealing with our senses, we're dealing with our emotions, we're dealing with all that stuff. And to separate out what is sight and what is, of, what, is of my, what is of the Spirit, what is of the Word, sometimes can be, can be a challenge. So I want to kind of help you with that. And this is, you know, I'm, this is an experiment tonight. So if it fails, don't tell anybody. Okay, but I'm going to try it. So anybody going through a battle that wants to help me? Now that changed everything. <laughs> All right, okay. Um, I don't need to know the details, but I want to try to put it in the terms we're talking about. Okay, can you share just a little bit about it? Um, it's, it's basically been a financial... Can you put that microphone on? It's basically been a financial struggle. It's basically been a financial struggle. Is it on? No, this is a different one. Hello? Hello? <laughs> it's not working. Can you hear me? Uh, well, wait a minute. Let me turn mine. Mm-hmm. 
Mike, this one goes on and off when this one goes on and off. Is it because of the battery pack? Okay. All right. It's a financial struggle. Choo-choo. Yes, basically it's financial struggle. Um, it started back in January, and but it's I just, I just it's been an onslaught. Is, yeah, I know. Okay, all right. Well, that's part important because sometimes the duration of something makes it harder. You can get weary in the battle. The the um, go ahead. Uh, I'm doing my best to stand. Okay. It is very difficult at times. Okay. But um, obviously I'm here, and I'm just standing on what he says. Okay. Now, here's the key. When you're in a battle like that, the key is what are you looking at? And this is something you have to set yourself because Satan knows how to get your attention because we're so sense-oriented. So a financial thing, it can be bills that arrive. It can be calls from people. I've been there. I went to the place where I wanted to turn my phone off. I was hoping they'd disconnect the phone because I was tired of getting these phone calls saying, I don't know the answer. I don't have the money. What am I? Don't keep calling me back. I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's ever been there. And God got me out of it. But, but I don't, and I don't ever want to go through it again. But one of the things I've begun to learn is the key is, and this you have to intentionally do until it becomes a habit. When you get up in the morning, you've got to decide, what am I going to look at today? Because it'll come at you. If it's financial, it'll come at you by the mail. It'll come at you by phone calls. It can come at you by friends. come at you by spouses. It can come at you by kids. How come I don't have... You've got to recognize where it's, where it's coming from. Because the Bible talks about spiritual warfare in, sec, in Ephesians 6. And it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So it's not the bill collector that you're wrestling against. It's not your kids. It's not your neighbor. It's not your mother-in-law. It's the enemy trying to use those. So how have you handled that? You're still standing. That's good. Yes. So you um, learned something. I, I am truly trusting God in this whole situation. Okay. And we've had a chat. And I, yep. m- my thing is I truly believe he has not brought me this far to fail. Okay. So what you're looking at, you're looking at the past of what he's done for you. And that's a good thing to do. So many of the Psalms talk about remembering what God has done for them. That's what David would do. David in the Psalms would remember the things that God's done for you. It's a good idea to write things down, to have a memorial when things have got you, got, got, God's gotten you out. I've gone over them so many times in messages and to myself and to friends and things like that. Some of these are in, burned into my brain. But they help me to go back over them because God's faithful. So you're still standing, you're still here. Okay. Anything else you've learned um, from it? And basically everything I've listened to, everything I've applied is just telling me to stay the course. Okay. Whatever test this may be or whatever the devil's attempting to do, Okay. God's going to carry me through it. And without God, I probably would have fell. In the course of this battle, have you ever doubted? No. No. Never. No. Really? No. Then I'll take places with you. You go preaching on this. Because <laughs> I have. <laughs> I've never doubted God. I have asked him several times, but I can sincerely say it's him that's keeping me going no matter what. And I have to honestly say that even though things don't look promising, 
He said it. That's right. He said it. Right. And I, I've been learning over the last three weeks is to call him on what he said. Right. And I can tell you now, it might not be the financial windfall that I need, but every week he comes through. One of the things to remember is that do not blame God. God. It's never God on God's end. God doesn't fail. God doesn't fail because when we're mad at God, we're taking our eyes off of us. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes we miss something and we have to be open to realize, ask him that question, but not beat ourselves up. What, what am I not getting right? What am right. I doing wrong? Right, right. And I do ask that right. question But you can't then turn around and beat, your, beat yourself up. Exactly. So, good. Now, well, that's okay. That's good enough. Anybody else? I'm going to take him because it's closer. <laughs> Physical pain. Okay. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, I've dealt with that. Okay, I'm dealing with it right now. Because physical pain, the bills you can put in, I've known people that took the bills and they had a drawer. <laughs> and they figured out of sight, <laughs> out of mind, yeah, it's out of your mind. It, it's not, it's, yeah, okay. It's, it's, not out of, it's not out of National Grid's mind. It's not out of the gas company's mind. It's just you're, you're, you've got your head that you're like an ostrich. But pain you can't get away from. Pain is there. So, how have you dealt with that? And again, none of us, I'm not doing this to elevate anybody or put anybody down. It's to learn from one another. Because I'm learning as I go along too. These are really things. This is where we really live. You want to share a little bit? I've been under the word for decades. Yep. Heard the word for decades. Uh, I, I blame myself for not being a doer of the word as much as I could have. But there's uh, times when you put your trust in doctors, then you put your trust in medication, then you realize that that's not helping. Mm -hmm. And sooner or later, you get back to the word. Mm -hmm. And then when you get back to the word, you do it with all your heart. Mm -hmm. But the pain still doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you get painful, you get weary. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you need the body of Christ to come in mm -hmm. and your wife needs to pray for you, stand mm -hmm. with you, and mm -hmm. people need to stand with you. Sometimes you just need people other than yourself doing everything. Do you ever, do you ever get the thoughts that uh, this just is not going to work? I'm beyond that. Okay. I'm beyond that. It's sort of like uh, the fog of war. Yeah, yeah. You don't know. All you know is, like, I know now the things I didn't know before that the Word says. And... When you say it's the Father who does the works, that helped me out a lot. And then uh, through other situations, I learned that it's, he honors his word. He doesn't honor anything else. He honors his word. So right. I speak his word back to right. him. And right. that has always brought more results for me than anything else I've ever done. Right. Uh, he wants to hear his word brought, uh, spoken back to him. And he says that uh, his word does not return unto him void. Right. So I'm learning that. And every morning you can ask my wife, the Holy Spirit has me in, in the word and on, on healing. Yep. And he won't let me out of that. No. And I'm feeding on it, feeding on it, feeding right. on it. But boy, you, the body's telling you the same thing right. for decades. So that's, that's where I am. But I know that, like you said, if I die tomorrow, believe in God. I, I know where God stands on it. That right. I know where the devil stands. I know where I stand. Right. And... That's where that's I'm key. at. One of the things that's great, Denny, 
look at the things you're learning through it. God's not causes for you to learn, but you've chosen to take advantage of the situation and grow in it. And in the process, you're able to help other people. You may have helped some people tonight. So the temptation is to either you know, blame God. Well, God failed me somehow. Or we get into this why. Why, did, why, did, why does this happen to me? Let me tell you a secret about that. That'll never get you out of it. It's a trap. I heard a preacher a while ago say this, and real, I never thought of it before. Job is a great book about suffering, and there are lots of theories about it and all kinds of... Pastor Michael's taught it in School of Ministry. I've taught it in School of Ministry. But the whole first 38 or 9 chapters are, with one exception, are, ig- are ignorant men debating why this happened to Job. You don't want friends like that. When God shows up on the scene, God never says why. God never answers the question of why did this happen to Job. So to God, it must not be important why. To God, what was important was the correct relationship with Him. And so why is a trap? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? It will never get you out of it. It will never get you out of it. And and the reason a lot of people fall short, I don't like the term, but the reason a lot of people seem to fall short, and they said, but I've done all the things I'm supposed to do, is you get your eyes on what I'm supposed to do. And this is where the Word of Faith movement's done us a disservice, but because it comes a che- becomes a checklist, and I've got to say the right confession, I've got to meditate on the Word, I've got to read my Bible, I gotta, I gotta do, I got, and I've done all these things. Why is it still happening to me? That tells you where your trust was. In a relationship... My trust is in, I trust Denny. So if Denny tells me he's going to do something, I don't have to go do certain things to make sure, because I know Denny, I know he's going to do what he said. So the key to all of this is your relationship with God, is getting to know God as your Father, know that God loves you, know that God would never abandon you. So whatever the problem is, it's not God doesn't love me, it's somewhere I'm missing something, something's happening I don't understand, but I'm never going to stop reaching out, reaching out to Him. So, you know, in pain, you know, one of the things when I've gone through is speak to the pain. Use the pain as an example, as a reminder to me to speak the word of it. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what my symptoms are telling me right now. The symptoms and what I feel and what things look like do not tell me what the truth is. God's word is the truth in this situation. And while I'm doing that, I'm meditating on the word of God. But most people quit. They'll try it a little bit. They'll try it, you know, they may try it for 10 minutes a day and it's not working, and after a while they give up. God's Word never fails. We fail, others fail, but God's Word never fails. Okay, that's great. He's closer. You'll have to move up closer if you want me. Richard? No preaching. No preaching. Uh, Well, I can really relate to uh, both Bruce and Denny. Um, I've had financial pressures. They come and they go. I've had back pain. I thought lawyers were all rich. <laughs> That's a fallacy. I, I know it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just reminded by the whatever it was that the devil had placed in Paul's life to remind to keep him humble, if you will. I'm reminded that uh, that God's answer was, "My grace is sufficient for you," and that. Even when things aren't, you know, things, it's kind of like you keep going around and around. 
it, it, things are good, things, things go down. Things go up, things go down. The back pain comes, the back pain goes. I have, a, I have an eye issue that comes and that goes. I said, you know what, Lord? If, if this is the way it is for the rest of my life, I'm still okay with this. Because I know that you've never let me fall. Yeah, I suffer and I feel pain. And sometimes I do feel a little sorry for myself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah, I say, well, maybe for some, but maybe not for me. I get that. Mm-hmm. I have that. Mm-hmm. And still, I, I, I just continue to say, it's, it's in your hands, God. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'll, I'll stay faithful, as faithful as I can. And when I fall, I'll, you know, I know you'll dust me off and I'll do my best. I'll, I'll ask for your forgiveness when I make those mistakes and I'll mm-hmm. just, you know, I'll carry on. I had a pity party on Monday morning, so I understand. <laughs> it was a good one, but nobody else came. Never noticed pity party. Nobody else come except other people feeling sorry for themselves, and they don't bring any presents. They just want to. So <laughs> it, it, you just yeah, and you don't. You, you're, I was reminded of when, um, and we're going to end in a minute. I was reminded of when uh, I, get, I know all four of our kids learned to walk. At least I think they did. Um, but I remember when our daughter learned to walk. It was just, she, she got, she got, you know, she could tell she was ready. She thought she was ready, kind of like, like Peter. And she got up and she took a step and went boom. All right. And, and, and then she got up again and she, but every time she took a step, we were there encouraging her. When she took a step and fell, we didn't yell at her and scream, don't you know how to walk? I mean, look at this. You ought to be able to do this by now. But we picked her up, we dusted her off, we encouraged her and we had tried again. You, we forget sometimes. God's our Father, and we're children. And when we're learning to when we're learning to walk by faith, learning to walk—I never thought of that before. Learning to walk by faith, it pleases Him. I can see that. I said, my wife and I were suddenly realized she's about to take off and try this. She was going to go from from me over to my wife and my grandparents and her in her parents' home. It's like, and she's just—you can see that look in her face. It's like we we probably look like that to God sometimes. I think I can do this. I think I can. And boom, we fall back on our diapers, you know. And he has to pick us up. But it pleases him when you try. Look at Jesus. He got frustrated with his disciples sometimes, but it wasn't because he was mad at them. He says, why don't you believe? You know, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. We've got time for one more if I can find the microphone. Where would I put it? Oh, thank you. It's probably with my keys. <laughs> All right, I guess i got to go back over here. No problem. I'm going to go to the other side because he had his hand up first. I'm sorry. This will be my last one. Is this helping anybody? Yes. All right. Well, may do this again when I get courage enough. Hi. Hello. Ooh, yeah. I think the issue I'm having, and I've told a couple of people here, is that I was, was going to have back surgery. Okay. But a couple of people prayed for me up there. Okay. And I went for the surgery appointment, and the doctor said, I don't know what happened, but your back fixed itself. Right. Oh, you're the one. Okay, so I heard of this. Testimony. I don't. He said there's nothing for me to fix in there. So the, and it was great and everything, and it's still the same. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm playing hockey again. But, but anyway, the thing is, like, walking by faith. Like I've told people, but I haven't really told them 
that it's this stuff. Because I don't know, maybe I'm so new and I'm still I understand. struggling with it. Because now what will happen is they may think you're weird. Yes. Yeah, I know. I've been and there. I'm fine in here. Yeah, I understand. And we all understand this. And I'm doing it with my kids a little bit, but okay. I'm struggling with like... I understand. I watch, I oversee like 300 kids in football and cheerleading, and yep. that's, I'm still me there, yep. and I'm really struggling with the transition or you know, outside of this. A lot of, of people in here can relate to you. And I, it's okay. Just so sometimes I can. I remember when we first found out about healing. Thank you for sharing that. That really helpful. I found out about healing. We went and told my sister-in-law. God will heal us. And she says, you're not going to be one of those faith healers, are you? <laughs> it's like, so they don't understand. But you've got to just, you know, you're growing in this. You're new to this. You just begin to grow in it. We're growing. The best, the most important thing, we'll have to end with this. Thank you for those of you who participated. Um, let's give him a hand clap because that's not easy to do. I appreciate that. But, but was this helpful? Okay, not, because it just, it's, it's where we live. And it's, it's wonderful, one thing to hear from me, but to hear other people. And, and you guys are in different places, but it's great. And I know there are many more stories out there, and I really, I really appreciate it. Um, it it's, it's, it. It's where we live. It's where the rubber hits the road. And uh, this is how we grow, sometimes by sharing with one another things we're going through. And none of us are there. There's, there's one best hero. I used him because one of the things I'm learning is Jesus sets a standard for us that we can't reach, but we can reach for it. Jesus set a standard for us that it's good to read, but recognize God will meet you where you are. It's, it's, it, God will meet you where you are. He will continue to challenge you to grow. And what I really wanted us to do tonight was help you see where the issue is, help you see where the battle is. It's called, you know, it's called the fight of faith. The fight of faith isn't with the devil. It's with our flesh. It's with our senses. It's staying, walking by the faith in here and not being moved by what I see. And there are times I think I'm there and then it's because the pain went away. It wasn't because I was really there. Uh, it's because the pressure relieved or the bills started, the money started coming in and, and things like that. But as long as I recognize that, God will meet us where we are and, and we can grow. All right. Praise God. Well, thank you all, those for you, of you who shared. And uh, again, we'll, we'll do this again sometime.